We are in uh, week three of our uh, sermon series called Make Church uh, Great Again. And I, I love this series because it's a reminder uh, that uh, the church uh, can be greater than she is right now. Uh, you know, it just seems like to me, I've shared, shared this last couple of weeks, that the church has been a little bit distracted uh, by, uh, by the world, by the culture. The church has been intimidated and even been influenced and it seems like the church is starting just to sort of take care of herself. Um, you know, just like take care of the people that are here and not so much outside of the world. I'm not saying everybody believers, because obviously we as a church and lots of other churches, they reach out into the community. But, um, but there's, uh, it just seems like the church as a whole, we can be greater and God is calling us to greatness. And, um, and the one, re- one of the byproducts of us becoming a great church really is, is you becoming a greater disciple, you becoming a greater Christian, you becoming closer to God through this process because you are the church. I am the church. And if we are the church, then if, if um, some of these things that we've talked about will improve our walk, then obviously it's going to improve uh, the church. It's, it's, must, it's just like a marriage. If you're in a marriage situation or if you're in a relationship, you know, you, um, you can look at yourself and start with yourself first to make your marriage better. Don't try to change your spouse. And we all know this. You want to look at yourself. How can I make myself a better person? How can I be a better spouse, a better husband, a better wife? And so you start with that, and it obviously makes um, makes the marriage better. But God wants the church to walk in power and authority, as it says in, in, in our key verse, Acts uh, uh, 1.8, and you see it on the screen right here, Acts 1.8, and it says, uh, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power you will receive power like dynamite whenever you uh, are my witnesses. And so he wants a church to have that. And the, the first thing that, that it takes for the church to be great again is through prayer. We talked about week one. And I'm not talking about emergency prayers. I'm not talking about just popcorn prayers. Yeah, we need to have those emergency prayers. But we also need to have that, that designated time where we are spending with the Lord. And now we, uh, we just started this past week um, a 21-day fast. I know some people uh, started it on Wednesday. Some people started a little bit late. Some people are like, you know, I'm going to get started next week. It doesn't matter. Whenever you start it, we have the tools for you. And we should, you should find a connection point, some more booklets. And uh, I'd encourage you to do that. If you have been doing the fast, uh, I, I want to let you know I'm praying for you. I pray for you. Now, I don't know everyone that's doing the fast, uh, but I pray for you as a church that God would strengthen you. Because let me tell you what, it's hard. I'm walking it through with you. And, and if I pray for you, you pray for me. Amen? All right, good. Excellent. We, we need to do that. So we talked about prayer and how prayer is important. That's a first step for the church to become great again. And uh, have that intentional time of, with God. The second thing is, is we need to uh, improve our fruit. We talked about this last week. We need to improve our fruit. You know, there's, there's three really different types of fruit. There's bad fruit, there's good fruit, and then what I call fake fruit, okay? So bad fruit is, is things like, you know, anger and, and, and jealousy 
and, um, and selfishness and hatred. Those are some examples of some, some bad fruit in our lives. And, and you know, sometimes we, we express those, those particular fruits in our life. What's important is that we take those fruit, that bad fruit, and make sure we get rid of those out of our life as quickly as possible so it doesn't affect the other fruit in our life. And there are some people who don't have Christ who just display that bad fruit over and over and over again, and nobody really wants to be around them. But then there's good fruit. The good fruit is based upon uh, believers who have Christ in their life. If you have Jesus in your life, you're going to display what was found, what's found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And so as believers, we, as we have Christ within us and the Holy Spirit, the uh, byproduct of that uh, is good fruit. But there's also what is called fake fruit. You know, people who try to display good fruit without the Holy Spirit active in their lives are actually displaying fake fruit. You've seen fake fruit before. My my, my grandparents, um, when I was in high school, I used to always go to their house like a couple of times a week. And I'd go to their house, and they had this cookie jar, and it had Nutter Butters in it. And I love Nutter Butters. Sorry, I'm just talking about this during the fast. All right, so I'm, Nutter Butters are really good, and I would go grab a handful of Nutter Butter cookies, and I would just chow down. But right next to the cookie jar was a, a basket and it had fruit in it. And I don't know how many times after I would grab, some fruit, uh, grab a cookie, I don't know how many times I did this, but every time almost it seems I would reach and grab like an apple or banana or orange, and I'd reach and grab, and I'd, oh, it's fake. They would have this basket of fake fruit, you know, just because it looks good. You know, it, it doesn't spoil it always looks good, you know. From a distance, when you're walking into the house, walking into the kitchen area, you're saying, oh, well, that's, that's fruit. Well, when you touch it or when you see it up close, you realize, wait, that is fake fruit. And there are people in their lives, you, you may know some people. There are people in their lives where they try to display good fruit, Good things, they start, try to display love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And, and you can do that to a certain degree, but without Christ, it's really only fake fruit. It's really only fake fruit. Because without Christ, their fruit is a little bit superficial. Their actions exist or occurs on the surface without a deep purpose of affecting the eternal direction of someone's life. You know, there are people who, they may feel like, I, I want to be a part of this cause. I want to be part of what, what, this, uh, what this cause is about. And they'll, they'll dive their life into it. And that's great. And, then, and they'll feel some sort of emptiness still. There's like, you know, something's still missing. I'm, I'm doing all these good works, good works, and good works. And I still feel empty. And I'm talking about people who don't have Christ. And the reason why they feel empty is because the void of Christ is there. And so they, um, they, they feel emptiness and they feel like their, their good works is shallow and it doesn't have a deep purpose. Why? Because they're not walking with 
the Holy Spirit. They're displaying some sort of like a, a, a bad fruit. You know, people are drawn to real fruit. People are drawn to real fruit. We, we actually keep a big bowl on our kitchen counter, and it's got mostly oranges in it, but it has some apples and that kind of stuff. And, and whenever Suzanne goes to the store and she puts those, that fruit in that, in that bowl, I mean, this bowl is huge. I mean, it takes like two days, and they're all gone, it seems like, because our kids are just drawn to that fruit. And we have to tell them, like, no more fruit, <laughs> you know? Never tell, I never thought I'd tell my kid this, but no more fruit. It's, it's okay, you know? You don't have to eat all this fruit. And so, but they're drawn to it because it tastes um, so good. And people are drawn to real fruit, real fruit, not fake fruit, but real fruit is when you, people are involved. And in, in, in I even know people who are involved in, in, those, um, in those good causes, uh, I mean, outside of the church. And really, as believers, we should be on the front lines. There's lots of causes um, here, even within our own county. I'm on the board for the Bartow Collaborative, which the Bartow Collaborative is an organization that's sort of the, the hub that connects all different types of nonprofit organizations. And there's so many believers that are part of the Barta Collaborative and other organizations. And I love that here in Barta County because it shows that the believers are on the front lines of, of, hum, of humanitarian issues in our, in our county. And, um, and, and the reason why is because we need to show that good fruit and it's got purpose. It's got eternal purpose. Why do we do these things? Well, because really we want to share hope to people through Christ. And so uh, we, wanted to be, we want people to be drawn to real fruit. Now, how do we display real fruit? We are connected to the vine. As I said in John 15, 5, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And I reminded you last week that, you know, we don't, we don't produce the fruit. Bear doesn't mean we produce it. You will bear much fruit. Bear means carrying. You will carry much fruit. So don't be so concerned or worry yourself about trying to do good things, even if you have Christ within you. Just get connected to the vine. Get connected to Jesus because Jesus is the vine. Jesus is the source of life. And the more that you spend time in it with him, the more you display uh, good fruit, not fake fruit, and you display that good fruit, and God produces the fruit within you. We don't produce the fruit. We just carry it. We carry the fruit because we are the branches. So all of that helps make the church great again because those people who are outside of the church in this world, I mean, we just talked about Chi Alpha Ministries, Georgia Southern. There's thousands of students. Okay, there's thousands of people in Bartow County who do not have a relationship with Christ. How do we make the church great again? Through prayer, and as a result of that, being connected to the vine, we show forth good fruit, and people are drawn to real fruit. They're drawn to it. And so the next way that you and I can make the church great again is bringing people to God, bringing people to church. You know, if the church were thriving in greatness, then every seat would be filled in churches around the world. 
If the church were thriving in greatness, then more families would be staying together. You know, we are the hope for the world, and we have to connect people to that hope. We have to bring people to Jesus. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you today to be a bringer. Be a bringer. Now, I'm not talking about just sending out an invitation, hey, I go to this church, you should come, and that's it. It, It's much deeper than that. We're about to dive into this. But I'm asking you to be a bringer, to bring people to that hope. And why would people even pay attention to you if you spend time in prayer and you show forth real fruit that people are drawn to? They notice that something is different. Now, there's lots of places in Scripture that we can look at that has examples of people bringing people to Jesus, like the paralytic man and the they, four guys bring him down this, the roof, and they lower him down. They actually bring him to Jesus. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of the lady, the woman at the well bringing people to Jesus. There's all kinds of examples. And as I was praying over the past couple of weeks about, Lord, what scripture do you want me to use? I was drawn to this passage. And, uh, and I really feel like this passage is something that we can learn from. And so we're going to learn from the best bringer that ever lived. And that is Jesus. Jesus is the one who draws people to himself. Jesus is the one who draws people to himself. So we're going to learn from the best bringer that there ever was. And so in this passage of Scripture, which we're going to be in Luke chapter uh, 5, and you can turn your passage of Scripture. You can also look on the YouVersion Bible app and go to events, and we also have it on the screen. But here in Luke chapter 5, verse 1 Before we get to that, Jesus has just finished his 40-day fast. Yes, Jesus even fasted. So y'all who are doing 21-day fast, awesome. Jesus fasted. He fasted for 40 days, a legit, like, full fast, okay? No no food. And, And so he was in the wilderness, and he fasted. The reason why is because he did this before he started his ministry. His three, three and a half years of ministry, he fasted before he started that. And so the reason why is because he needed to get connected to his father. Yes, he was God in the flesh, but he was also part flesh. And so he had to get connected to the father. It's like, God, what is, what is your will? What do you want me to do? And so he spent 40 days in the wilderness fast, fasting. And so Jesus was fasting. And then he also, uh, after the fast, he, he went back to this town and started healing some people. And then after this, he, um, he, some crowds were starting to gather around him. They were drawn to Jesus and uh, major crowds. And so he's like, okay, it's time to pick some disciples. It's time to pick some real guys who can uh, help, with me, help me and, and be discipled by me. So here's the, uh, where Jesus calls out the first disciples. And uh, it's found in Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 5. And it says this. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake, uh, Genesaret, uh, which is um, the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down 
on the boat and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, from this passage, we're going to get some key characteristics of someone who is a bringer. If you want to be a bringer, you're going to learn. We're all going to look at this from this passage. Number one is we've got to be different. We've got to be different. We've got to be different from the world. You look at verse, verse one, you see people are drawn to Jesus uh, by, by these words of hope. He was, they were drawn to him because he was different. He had a, a different word than the religious teachers were teaching. He had a different method of teaching. Jesus was just different. That's why there were crowds. That's why he got into a stranger's boat. He allowed him to do that. Why? Because he was different. And, and that's why he convinced fishermen, after they cleaned their nets, to go out again. Why? Because Jesus was different. Jesus was different. And so if you want to be a bringer, then, uh, then we need to be a difference maker. And to be a difference maker, we have to be different people. So um, there has to be something different about you. So how does that happen? How do you become different? It's kind of what we've been talking about, connected to Jesus, spending time with him and showing forth that real fruit. People are drawn to that. They're drawn to this person, this guy, this woman, this girl, this boy is different. There's something different about you. And so people will take notice of that. You may not realize it, but people around you, if you're different, they're, they're noticing that. And so you want to be different. So that is the first thing we learn from this. The second thing is uh, we, we want to use the marketplace. We want to use the marketplace. Um, so as seen in verses 2 and 3, Jesus was not teaching in the synagogue or temple. He was in the marketplace where the people were, were, were at, where they did life. You know, Jesus wasn't in the temple, wasn't in the synagogue teaching. He was in the church, so to speak. He was out where the people were. And so if you're going to bring people to Jesus, you're not going to bring people to Jesus while you're here on Sunday morning. Really? Hey, you want to come to church? Yeah, dude, I'm already here. You want to come to church? You know, we're, we're here. We got it. Check. But if you want to be a bringer, you have to use, you have to take advantage of the marketplace. Okay, well, what is a marketplace? Well, a marketplace is basically where you do life. If you're on a, if you're on a sports team, you can make a difference. You can, you can share Jesus uh, on your sports team. There are people in our church that do that. You can, if you're in education, uh, I spent 12 years as a teacher. Let me tell you, you can, you can share the gospel to students and to teachers. Teachers, um, uh, you know, uh, administration, you can be a light to people while you're a teacher. Uh, if you are in sales, I mean, you can, ask your, you can ask your clients, hey, how can I pray for you? <laughs> how can I pray for you? How many times have, have they been asked that? You know, 
something be different. Use your marketplace. If, if you're uh, working in a factory, you know, on, on breaks or, you know, lunch breaks or whatever kind of breaks, just go deeper into conversations. Ask them how things are going in their life. Ask them about, hey, hey if um, you guys go to church anywhere. Ask sort of deeper questions about their life. You know, um, we, um, we have our student ministry. I love this. They meet at Lake Point Station, uh, which is right around the corner over here. Uh, they meet at Lake Point Station on Thursdays at, um, at 6.30, and, uh, and it's awesome. Um, it, it doesn't cost anything. They just kind of meet there, and if they want to do some other stuff, they can bring some extra money. But ever since we've been moving it there and been using it in the marketplace, we've actually, this is actually the first uh, time that we've, um, that we've taken it into the, um, into the marketplace. We've kind of been at it, you know, either at a house or our church office or whatever. And so I believe God has blessed that because last Thursday, we had our highest attendance of youth in the history of Lake Point Church. Isn't that awesome? And so uh, we are there sharing the gospel right there in our community, and it's not in a church. It's in a marketplace. And just a little side note, this Thursday, the kids have been invited by Lake Point to go try out the new laser tag for free. So you don't want to miss that, and students, you want to invite your friends. And that's middle school and high school students. Uh, parents, no, sorry. I know you want to go, but, um, but really, the, in, it's exciting, and I believe God is blessing that, and we are in the marketplace, so we have to bring the church out of the church building and use the marketplace. You know, be creative. What can you do with where you do life, where you, where you live? What can you do? How can you use your sports team, your job? Your, your HOA, your, your board that you serve on, whatever. What can you do to be a light and to use the marketplace? So we got to be different. We got to use the marketplace. Jesus wasn't in the synagogue. He was out in the marketplace. The third thing is that we can learn from Jesus is don't avoid the messy. Don't avoid the messy. Have you ever been, if you've ever been on like a real fishing boat. Raise your hand. Like a real fishing boat. Yeah, okay. All right. I've actually been, um, I grew up in Houston, and, uh, and as I was little, my, my parents used to love to go fish. I couldn't stand it, because we wouldn't really catch anything. It was like a waste of time, you know, and stuff. But anyway, so they would go to this houseboat, and this houseboat it would, just, it would just be anchored there to the, to the shore there, and we'd go out in this houseboat, and it would just constantly move there, and it was like, oh, it was awful. And they had this big sort of open area in the middle of the houseboat where you could just put your, the water is open, and you just put your, your, your whatever, line, okay, your, your, your bait in there, and then you, you hope for a fish, you hope and pray for a fish, all right? I would never catch anything. Sometimes my dad would catch something. Uh, my brother would catch a lot. You know, that's probably why I hated it. But, but we, would, uh, we would go out there, and, and I, I remember the only thing really I remember about the houseboat is that it stunk. It was awful. The stench 
the yucky dead fish that people would clean and leave around there and the, and the, and the, and the bait and, and everything. And it was just gross and it just, just made me sick. And so a fishing boat is messy. A fishing boat is stinky. But did you notice in that passage that Jesus got onto the boat? We don't, we, don't, we don't see that he even asked Simon, the owner of the boat, his permission. He just got up in the boat. He says, this will be good. And so you can imagine the crowd on the shore. So he had to get up to a little bit higher elevation. So he probably wades in the water a little bit, climbs up on the boat. And guess what? He, he doesn't just stand among all the stuff. He sits down right onto the boat. Let me tell you something. I never sat down on that houseboat. <laughs> never. I remained standing and just did my thing. Waited for my bobber. That's all I did. And so Jesus sat down in the messiness and the stinkiness of this boat. He didn't avoid the messiness. Jesus didn't judge. Jesus never judged based upon uh, what was in this boat. And so if, if you want to be a bringer, you can't be afraid of messiness. Because as, as you uh, begin to do life in the, in the marketplace, and as you're different and people are drawn to you, and you're talking in conversations, and you're going deeper into conversations, sometimes those conversations are going to get a little bit messy. Sometimes life is a little stinky. And rather than be like, whoa, man, that's, that's a lot for me, or man, you, you shouldn't be doing that. I mean, God's going to strike you dead, man, you know, whatever. You know, we can't be judging people while we're trying to bring them. So we should not judge people based on the messiness in their life. So here at Lake Point Church, we want stinky people. We do. We want stinky people. We want messed up lives. We want messy people. You know why? That's what Jesus did. And he's the ultimate bringer. He's the big bringer. And so we want messed up lives. So we need to be different. We need to use the marketplace. We need to be creative on that. We don't need to avoid the messy. It's going to be messy. It's going to be stinky. But the next thing is we need to be able, and this is the last thing, we need to be able to go deeper. We need to go deeper with, with people. You see there in, uh, in verse 4, Jesus said, When he had finished speaking, he told Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Put out into deep water. Then he said, Master, we've worked hard all night. Haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When you begin to take people deeper, we're going to look at some examples of that, but as you begin to take people deeper while you're bringing them, 
They're going to have some excuses. That, that's what Simon, Simon said. Look, okay, I appreciate Jesus, you telling us to go out, but this is really the wrong time of day to catch fish. I mean, this is like the, the worst time of the day to catch fish. We've been out all night. We didn't catch anything. We're tired. We haven't gotten any sleep. We just cleaned our nets. They're hanging out to dry. Can't you see that? They're on our boat. They're, they're hanging to dry. And you're telling us to go out, to, to go out to deeper waters? Simon was giving excuses of why he shouldn't do that. Can I tell you something? People are going to give you excuses. When you want to take t- people deeper, they will give you excuses, such as this. Church, man, I've already tried that. Bunch of hypocrites. I've been hurt by church. Or how about this? You know, I, I just don't have time for it. I'm busy. I don't have time for church. I don't have time to, to have a relationship. Or maybe, maybe here's an excuse. I, I'm, I'm tired of people looking at me a certain way. My life stinks. My life is messed up. And I'm tired of people looking at that. I'm tired of people staring. So they make these excuses. The only way people, and this is huge, the only way people are going to get beyond the excuse is when they look at you and say, but because you say so. But because you say so. But because you invited me, because I see that you're different, I see that whatever you're doing at church, you're doing here in my job, on my sports team, here, whatever. And I see that you like me and that you truly love me for who I am, even with my stinky, messed up life. But because you say so, it's exactly what Simon did. Exactly what he said in that verse five. (laughs) But because you say so, I will let down the nets. I will let down the nets. The only way you can be a bringer is to take people deeper. And the only way to take people deeper is to be different from the world, bring your faith into where you live, and stop avoiding or judging their messy lives. So what does deeper look like? What are some examples of going deeper? Just, I mean, there's all kinds of examples. Just to get your, your creativity flowing, like going deeper means you, you will ask how you can pray for them. I mean, that right there is huge. And y'all, in the South, it's so much easier. If you're up, if you're up North, I mean, it's, it, people are like, man, you get away from me, you know, whatever. But here in the South, it's so much easier. Hey, how can I pray for you? Oh, you want to pray for me? And, and even, even the person that you feel like is the furthest from God, it's like automatically they're like, oh, yeah, well, they, it's like they believe in God. <laughs> well, yeah, you could pray for me, man. Just pray that, you know, I'll get through life or help my marriage or help my finances or, you know, my aunts in hospital. Everybody has something to, to, to pray for. 
that has a need that they can share. So you can tell people, hey, how can I pray for you? That right there is going deeper. Man, that's, that's diving right in. Another example, going deeper, means that you make sure they have a Bible. Make sure they have a Bible. How many people, how many people that you work with that you're not, you're not sure they have a Bible or not? How many people, students, on your sports team or in your class, on your drama team or in your band or whatever, how many people do you know that may not have a Bible? Have you even asked? Have you even asked? So that's another way to go deep. Hey, do you, do you have a Bible? Bible? Yeah, I, I think I have a Bible somewhere. Well, hey, let me know if you don't have one because I've got some extra. I, my church will provide. And by the way, side note, if you need Bibles, by golly, we'll get you Bibles. We will get you Bibles, and we will give them to you, and you will give them to people in your life, people in your circles, people in your marketplace. Ask people, do you have a Bible? That's not going to freak them out. That's not. So you want to ask them, can I pray for you? Do you have a Bible? Another going deeper means you encourage them to read parts of the Bible with a simple plan. Now, if they, now that they have a Bible, or if they have a Bible, or, or if you give them one, you could say, okay, just, you know, I encourage you to, to start reading the Bible. Now, most people say, okay, I'll just start reading Genesis, okay? And then after just a few chapters, they're like, okay, wow, this is, um, this is a lot. Then they get to Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Those are great books, and we need to read those. But people who are trying to read the Bible may not be the best place to start. You know, a good place to start, I tell people all the time, start with the book of John, start there, and just keep reading. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Start with John, okay? It's one of the Gospels. It's got a lot of in there about the love of Christ. Start with John and just read on. And encourage them uh, to read. And have them, uh, hold them accountable. Read with them. Say, hey, God, hey, we're, I'm going to read John chapter 1 with you this week. And then maybe you discuss it on your break. Another thing is going deeper means you're bold in asking them to do something. You're bold in asking them to do something. That's what Jesus did. Jesus was bold. He's in, he got into a boat he didn't even have permission to get into. Of course, I know he's Jesus. Do what he wants. But he got into this boat, and then he boldly said, hey, let's go out deeper. Go out to deeper water. Throw your nets back in. That's bold. Some people say that's stupid. In fact, Simon thought it was stupid. Then he's like, but because you say so. There are people who are waiting for you to be bold. There are people waiting for you to be bold, to ask bold things of them. Don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid of that. And it really all boils down to this. How can we go deeper? Just be their friend. Just be their friend. Be their friend. So we be a bringer. By we're different. We use the marketplace where we live as an opportunity to spread the gospel. We don't avoid the messy or the stinky lives. We don't judge. And we go deeper. We take people deeper. I love how this story this passage ends in Luke chapter 5, verse 6 through 11. We're going to read this as we uh, 
as we bring this to a close. When they had done, um, when they had done so, so they, they've gone, they've cast the nets in, they've gone out, they caught so much large number of fish that their nets begin to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat, that's huge, they're telling their other fishermen, they signaled their partners in the other boat to come over and help them, and then they came and filled both boats so full that they begin to sink. When Simon Peter, yes, Simon Peter, Simon is the same guy, Peter the disciple that Jesus changed his name to Peter. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all of his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had made. And so were James and John, who were also going to be disciples, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. They left everything. They followed him. When you become a bringer, when you become a bringer, you're diving into people's lives. Can I tell you something? Your bringers will become a bringer because they see the example found in you. Your bringers will become bringers. That's what it says right there in the passage. What did Simon do? Hey, James, John. Those became the three closest disciples of Jesus, Peter, James, and John. Hey, James, John, hey, come over and help us. And then they were astonished. They're like, you know what? This guy's for real. We're going to follow him. And you're bring, the people that you bring to church, they will follow Jesus. Because guess what? When they come to Lake Point Church, when they come to your small group, by the way, you could invite them to a small group first. If you want, it's fine. Or to an event. But they will hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, guaranteed. Because I'm accountable to that. One day I'm going to stand before the throne, and I'm going to be accountable to that as a pastor. So I guarantee you they will hear the gospel preached. They will have an opportunity to make a life change. And so here's what I want us to do. The band is coming up on stage, and, and we're going to close that with a song. It's a new song. It's a real simple song. You can sing it or not sing it, whatever. But here's what I want you to do. I want everybody to get, get out your phones. If you have a phone, you can get out your phone. It's okay. It's all right. You can get out your phones. We have a number that we're going to flash on the screen. Okay? And this number goes uh, directly to, to our communication portal at Lake Point Church. And so what, what we want you to do is, sometime during this song, I want you to text this number, a name or list of names of people that God has laying on your heart for you to reach. People on your team, people in your neighborhood, people at your job, people in your circles of your life. And I want you, and even while we're singing, the, the, the number is going to be in the bottom left of the screen, even the, while the song's going. So, so throughout the song, you think of another name, type different, put a different text, whatever. You can put them all in the same text or whatever. But I want you to do this because we're going to pray for this list of names. Even if you just have a first name, that's fine. It's fine. But we're going to pray for these people because let me tell you something. Easter 
is just around the corner. And we're going to start praying for these people because you're going to start becoming bringers to those people for Easter. For Easter. And if you are someone who, you're sitting here today and you're thinking, Frank, I have never really accepted Christ as Savior. If you just want to text this number and say, I need Jesus, just text that and just put your name. We'll contact you. Got your number. We'll contact you. Right? So we're gonna we're gonna pray. Band's gonna sing. You text and sing, and we'll be finished. But let this be a, a, a great moment of worship here today.